Welcome to another episode of Mick and Ori's Classic Cars. I'm Mick. And I'm Ori. Ori, to do justice to this car, we had to have another podcast, didn't we? Mick, I'm still pinching myself. I cannot believe we actually got to – well, you got to drive it. I got to sit in it for a good three hours. The 250 – 1964 250 Berlinette Lusso. GT Berlinette Lusso. Now, to say that, it was just you and me in the car. I don't know. Who gives you the keys of – Something number one, so valuable, but number so rare. So he trusted us with the car, which uh, I do appreciate. And uh, I, you know, I'm thinking there's no way because he said, "Oh, look, uh, yeah, take the take uh, take the keys, and um, you take no, Ori with you." No, but when you discussed we're going to do the podcast on that, and he was happy to bring his vehicle, and you know, he uses all his cars in his collection. You thought you were going to get to drive it, or did you think you at least be a passenger? Obviously, no. I actually, I, tongue in cheek, I said to him, I said, uh, "By the way, you know the rules on our podcast. If you're coming on the podcast, podcast, I've got to drive it." And so he, you knew you were going to drive the car. He was going to. He said, "Yes, you, you'll be driving." Yeah, it. and I thought I'd get to experience it with him driving it. I didn't think I'd be it'd be you and I. Yeah. Well, I didn't think that either. I thought I'd be driving it, and he'd be in the passenger seat, and then maybe he drives it and you get in the passenger seat. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's what I thought. You know, I didn't expect, you know, like he came to our place, you know, rolled up at the back, and there's the car, a 250 GT Bellinet Toulouse, we've said it that many times, 1964, red with tan, absolute no, red with um, black. uh, Red with black inside, yeah. But all original, and when you see the shape. Oh, beautiful. Number one, photos, images, do not do it justice. You really have to see it in the flesh, just the curves. And, you know, it's got some funny little things, like we open up the the boot and the big spare wheel was there, yeah. so you can't – and you fill up the petrol filler is in the boot. In the boot. So they didn't want it, you know – Ruin the lines. Fluid. Yes, correct. You know, the grill at the front. It's just so iconic Ferrari. It is that gorgeous to look at from every angle. The wheels, Mick. The wheels, the uh, uh, what are uh, what are they? The um, the Barani Barani yeah, wheels, <laughs> knock off Come knock on. off caps, knock unbelievable. Off. This thing is just raring to go race, and you, yeah, I, I love the two fifty short wheelbase as you as you know, and I've mentioned it many a time. Never lucky enough to see one in real life. Never lucky enough to drive one, um, or be in one, let alone um, you know uh, drive it. I think that's gorgeous. You just. See this 250 Lusso and you think, wow, I actually get the whole 250 range. makes more sense. You see the GDO, obviously, which everyone's phenomenal, you know, fa- world famous now. It's probably the most like, famous Ferrari in the world. I'd say the so. The 250 GDO. You see those racing around tracks on YouTube and things like that and you're like, wow. And then you've got this thing here sitting in front of you that you're about to get into. Who it was- does that? Who actually gets into and drives one of these? Well, I think they made just over 350 of them, around the 350 anyhow. And right-hand drive? 29 in the world. And this is one of 29 right-hand drives. Yeah. Mick, just think that, 29 in the world. Now, I think 250 GTOs, they only made 35, 38, 35, 36, and one's not there anymore or whatever. It's all recorded. Not many of those. This is 29 right-hand drives. So it's, it's a rare car. It is definitely a rare car. Right, and here we go, boys. Get in there. The interior, Mick. Oh, How beautiful interior. I the felt leather. So co- those race seats. 
And I know it was just a little bucket seat, which is pretty much similar to a little chair we're sitting in now at the moment doing the podcast. But I felt comfortable in there, Mick. They were very comfortable, but the backrest, they were fixed seats. So Fixed seats. As in fixed, you could move them forward and backwards, but you couldn't adjust the, the rear. Look, we're not overly tall people. So for us, I know Grant said, what, you thought that was comfortable. Now, he's a tall man. He's so a maybe- tall man, but also, you know, he's driven that long distances, whereas we, you know, we were gone for a couple of hours, I suppose. Correct. So maybe on a long distance, but for me, I was comfortable. I think if you go on a long trip and you do your normal, you stop every one and a half to two hours, I reckon it'd be no problem at all. Pedals? Pedals, no problem. Coming uh, out you from do the floor? Need, you, yeah, they're coming out from the floor, which is a little bit odd. but Because you're sitting quite low. Yeah, so your your foot's going against it a little bit. Yep. However, I got used to that pretty quick. What I found was was a little bit daunting was I couldn't put my seat any f- closer. So it's got the old Italian setup where you need really long legs and short arms. Yeah. Yep. So I was sort of stretching to put the clutch right in, so I, I leant into the seat a bit. Now, so. look, before you sat in the car, and we both said it, said, geez, that gear stick looks a bit high because that centre console sits up. Yes. But when you're sitting in the seat, perfect everything's spot. perfect. Yep. You're not bending the elbows too much. It was, And the gauges. Oh, the gauges, that's another in. That's right. interesting, <laughs> the gauges, because you've got the small gauges right in front of you and the speedo and the taco to is the in left. the middle. I don't know, it was close to me. I was looking at him. Yeah. I'm not sure I like that, uh, I must admit. I mean, the gauges and the sp- it looks great, but. I just, I saw it was so analog, so simple, not over digitalized, not too many gauges everywhere. It was just basic. I but love that. Basic, but plenty of, plenty of gauges. And but what about the buttons underneath? Now, all it, those buttons, there's that about was seven of them, and none of them are labeled. What do they do? Well, one of them I read up about. One of them actually does the fuel pump. So to start, a, but so if you press that in, you run out of fuel. So See? it's a, it's a classic. I mean, none of them are labelled, and that's from the factory. Yeah. So have, you you just need to know. You just you need, need to, to know, know I suppose you read your manuals. Um, and then the most beautiful piece is that beautiful wooden steering wheel. The steering wheel. The, and it's big. It's a large steering wheel. Uh, they've done that, of course, for the steering in terms of the power because it's not power-assisted steering. And it's got just standard cross-ply tyres. So uh, the steering is huge, a nice wooden steering wheel with the uh, the metal in between. Just absolutely yeah, absolutely no, I love that. And I, so you're sitting in there and you're like behind us, that back parcel shelf which was all leather with the straps. It was just gorgeous. And the pattern on the leather, has got those diamond oh. pattern, which they used to, you can still buy it today, I think, yep. in terms of you can select it. So I thought, we're sitting in the car now, and I thought, well, this is this is a dream about to come true. And that's without going anywhere, we were so excited. No, we're so excited. We're just trying to reverse it back in the driveway. I couldn't find reverse gear. Well, I don't think you turned the car on. No, me. I think it just <laughs> it rolled back. And we thought we had started That's it. right. That was a classic, that was. So but then the, you start her up, Mick. Then I start her up, but it wasn't that simple to start her up. No. Because you've got a key in there, but you tu- you can't turn the key. So I, I realised, you know, within a few seconds that you have to press the key in and that starts it. So it's got push button, but the key's got to be in there. For the push button. For the push button. And it... it Starts up no problem at all, and the did big, you feel like you had to give it some gas to get hit? Like no, you have to give it the revs. No, not just, really. 
No, I mean, it was already warm because, you know, he drove, drove it in there. So reversed, well, reversed, as you said. It, you couldn't find reverse. I couldn't find reverse, but I ended up finding reverse. And then I think I stalled it. Five speed, yeah. It's four speed. Four speed. Yeah. This, this is a four speed. Uh, they didn't bring out five speed until later models. Um, and it's, anyway, we'll talk about the driving. But in terms of, you know, I reversed, I finally found reverse and then went to go forward and I stalled the car. Yeah. Because um, it was actually reasonably quiet. Correct. It, it, well, it wasn't loud at all. I don't think you had it on. Me no. neither. <laughs> you hadn't started. You thought you were driving the electric car. <laughs> well, not quite. Hey, this is a fast stretch from an electric car, that's for sure. Anyway, so we get out of my driveway, this huge steering wheel. Now, the seating position was such that I could hardly see over the top of the steering wheel. So luckily it didn't have the speedo and the taco. To block your it, vision. It would have blocked my vision because I was looking from the top of the dash to the underside of the steering wheel to be able to see out. That was and your that, line of sight. And that's when I got comfortable. So I leant into the seat a bit more and I could see between those lines. The problem is, is when you're going up and down hills, then sometimes the wooden rim would be in your way. Really? Yeah, certainly. And we'll see some of the video because I took some uh, video while I was driving with my um, – the new Ray the, the new Ray Ban glasses, rear vision mirrors, and you know side mirrors. Okay, side mirrors. The rear vision mirror in the middle is good because there's plenty of visibility. There's a lot of glass. There's only one rear vision mirror side. One is yep. on the right hand side, and my understanding was that was put in by the dealers. So wherever it was, it wasn't put in by the factory. So the mirrors are wherever the dealers put them in. So they'd have single or double or or none. So they didn't come with. Mirrors. All right, so we're driving off first, second. We still can't believe we're in the car. We're driving it and we're smooth not. as the gearbox, nice and tight. The the as we said, the gears, the the knob is at the right level. So from the steering wheel, move your hand across to the left, and it's right it's there. there. It's not sort of you don't go searching for it, and it's it um, didn't have the dog leg first and second. It's just had the normal H pattern. Yeah, straight up, straight down. Yep, and. So we're taking off now. We're driving it for a bit. What did it feel like, as in other Ferraris you had driven, or was this something you had never driven? Well, I have driven. I had driven a two hundred and fifty PF, but that was a long time ago, and that was very daunting for me. And and I went with uh, my middle son, and that's a fifty nine. This is a sixty four. So there's you know it's probably more rudimentary. I was and the synchros weren't that good in that one. Uh, I assume it probably didn't come with synchros. I'm not sure. So I didn't really get a good feel. So when I took off with this one, I was thinking back to the 250 PF, but this felt and looked and was more refined to me, you know, the leather, yep. the gauges, and knowing the value of the thing also makes you, makes it a bit more daunting for you. So then you're revving it to what to change the gears? You're just driving it normally. You're not being silly in it, obviously. I mean, you know, it's our car, and the gentleman is following us in your Dino. That's right. So, you know, we know we're not being silly, but... You're still getting it up to four and a half, five thousand revs. Not no? really. Through through until we got up into the hills, it was really just the normal two and a half, three thousand revs. I'd change gears, and it wasn't. It wasn't um, the exhaust note or the engine note wasn't that loud. I mean, if you can recall, what did you, you know, I mean, you were sitting there. What did you feel when I was going through the gears? And that was just through. I won't say city traffic because it was a weekend. No, it sounded. Um, we had the windows down, so we could hear the engine, but it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't growling by any sense of the mean. I mean, it wasn't struggling. It was. It was a nice sounding V twelve engine ticking over. 
Yeah, and right. that's the Colombo uh, three litre. Yep. You know, so it's, it's tried and tested, no doubt. So then we get it up into the hills, mate. Yeah, we get it up into the hills, but even then I was driving, you know, let's say conservatively and changing gears at about the three, maybe 4,000 revs. And did it feel like it was a big car? Was Not it? really, no. The steering wheel felt big, but the steering feel was good. You know, there's a bit of movement before the wheels turn, I think, but not not a lot. And it was handling all right. So and it doesn't float? It, it didn't float by any means? No, it didn't float. I was, well, I thought it would float a lot more, mm. you know, because of the age. But it, it felt good on the road. And again, you know, we got told after that, you know, these are only got the cross-ply tyres. So the original type, cross-ply tyres, they wouldn't have been the original, of course, but... And so in terms of tyre technology, there'd be better ones you could put on now. Which, which would handle better. Which would again. handle better. So we drove it for a fair bit. I think it was after about an hour we stopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, I reckon we got out. I thought maybe he wants to stop for a coffee or, or whatever. So yeah. I get out of the car, uh, quite excited, you know, just sort of getting used to the car. And, uh, and uh, he says, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm stopping. You want to go for a coffee? I said, no, no, well, keep driving, mate. I thought, far out, I'm not taking that as a, a second option. So away we go. No, and, and, he no, called that's us right. back. Yeah. He called us back. He goes, are you really going to drive this thing? That's right. And he did say, what did he say to go up to? Up to 5,000, 5,500 revs, get it up there and really hear it sound. That's where she starts to really yeah. perform. Yeah. So he said between four and a half and five and a half or so is where the motor starts to sing and it sounds a lot better. Right. Then you know you're driving a V12 then you know you're 250. Driving. So I thought, well, hang on. Well, the owner behind me, I've got no choice. We've I've got, got the OK now. We've got the OK. And we'll talk about the black smoke after, you know, yep. what he said. But anyway, so we take off out of there and go through the windy parts of the hill. And without trying to speed too much, I was keeping in second or third gear. So you'd go through the revs four and a half, five and a half. And how good did it sound? And it really came into its own, didn't it? You know, it didn't need an aftermarket exhaust, didn't need anything. It was phenomenal at those revs. So if you can keep it in the four and a half to five and a half thousand revs, it sounds great. It all actually started to make even more sense, didn't it? Correct. Off the line, it's actually fairly highly geared. So it is more of a tourer. Um, I mean, it's rated to 240 kilometres an hour, 150 miles an hour or whatever, back in those yeah, days. Huge. So it was one of the fastest road cars back then. And that's why I suppose they highly geared it because it's four speed. You'd run out of legs if it was too lowly geared. But keeping it between four and a half and five and a half and going through the sweeping bends, absolutely superb. Now, is it is it like a brand new car? No, it's definitely not. No, you're, you're driving. You are driving this car. There's no driver aids. You nearly you need to be a good driver to drive these cars. I think at high speeds, you, you need do. to be alert. You need to be know what's going on, but you need to know the feel of the car. The cars get so the car tells you what's going on. I believe yeah. in those cars. It, no doubt about that at all. And also, you've got to be mindful of the brakes. Yeah, the brakes aren't as you know like, like the new bra- ones, like modern brakes. So you know all, everything about the car is it, it needs it needs respect. You've got to respect the car, yeah. otherwise you're going to come a cropper. You yeah, know? look, I felt comfortable as a passenger. I felt comfortable at higher speeds, at lower speeds, turning. It was a comfortable drive, and and I thought the car itself was for its era, unbelievable. I said. To be honest, I think Mick, it was only after half an hour I said to you, no, no, this 
makes all sense. I get it now. I get what classic Ferraris are all about. You imagine back then that someone bought those that car. Well, I've since gone back and just looked at YouTube videos of old classic cars, classic Ferraris of the era being driven on around the – Mick, I get it now. It's made me want to own a classic Ferrari even more. And I didn't even drive the car. Right? Yeah, well, you I know? was hoping that you would get to drive it, no, but no. it wasn't appropriate. Uh, it wasn't know. appropriate to ask. And and like I said, I was just happy to be able to go in it. But it all made sense to me. I go, I get it now. So, hence, I know we've had the discussion before. Do you sell everything you've got and buy one of these classics? Now, if money was no objective, obviously yes, right? I think the answer is yes. And you'd be silly not to have an old car. What surprises me is I don't think many people have got to experience what it's like to drive a classic Ferrari. Well, that's I true. Think, I don't think there's many in the world. Well, I didn't expect to be able to. Right. And so you see a lot of people that are buying a lot of the new things that are out on the market, the, the new U-Butte, whatever they may be, Ferrari, Lamborghini, McLaren, whatever they may be, and all wonderful cars, don't get me wrong, all fit for purpose, and they've got multiple in their collection. These are people that are well-to-do but they haven't got a classic. And I think to myself, wow, you could afford to have any classic you wanted. You really need one. And your, your collection's not complete, in my opinion, if you haven't got one of these and, iconic classic Ferraris. And why do you think it's it's that? Why wouldn't they look at because, a classic? Well, I think they don't think they're as reliable. Now, And this gentleman's told us he only drives it a couple of times a year, not as often as they'd like, but still does maintain it, still does the servicing on it. This was in no means a garage queen, Mick. You know, the paintwork was pretty good, but there was a couple of cracks and a few spots there. That, But he does not want to restore it because he said he wouldn't use it otherwise. That's right. This way here he uses it, and he said it's got mainly the original paint. There's a couple of panels that have been, you know, touched up or repainted. So, you know, I look at that car, and you imagine if that car was concourse show condition, the value would be one thing. Just to... I would actually buy it in that condition. I'd love that car. And I don't think I would use it. And I would keep it like that. And that's what I was saying when you talk about your 246, is do you buy a good driver? The, the, yeah, this is a good driver. And if it's a good driver, you can drive it, you get in there. I mean, this one even didn't have the door pull handles to close the doors because that had come off. Yeah. So they've got the sort of – they look like just normal – pull handles that you would on a normal cupboard, and they weren't on there. But it, it doesn't really matter. Mm. You know, you're not using it daily to worry about opening and shutting the doors and, and you know. So I think the people that have got a good collection of cars, as in modern cars and, you know, supercars, hypercars, all that, they might not even look at that. Maybe they don't want the effort. I mean, there, it takes a lot more effort to drive one of them. Compared yeah. to they get into their McLarens or Ferraris or Lamborghinis of the modern era, and they've got all the creature comforts. Comforts. Yeah, this has got no creature comforts. You but know, you're not buying it for that either. You're, you're buying not. a part of history. You know, I, look, you know, when you read stuff about the 250s, and this is the end of the 250 series. After this came out the 330, you know, so and the 365. So this was the end of the 250s. 
And didn't, it, 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 didn't the 275 come out? Oh, sorry, the 275. I forgot the 275. How can I forget that? It's one of my favourites. I was going to say, 275 yeah, came 275. out. 275. And that, that'd be, geez, I reckon that would be something as Beautiful well. Beautiful car to drive yeah. to. Right. But this 250, it came out as the gentleman's luxury 250. I think it's got the same same wheelbase as the short wheelbase. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. But I think it has. I always thought the short wheelbase was a lot smaller. Yeah, maybe I think the body itself is just a bit bigger to make it more luxurious and had more parcel shelf, uh, you know, because there is a fair bit of parcel shelf behind the front seats uh, because you can't put anything in the boot, that's for sure. Um, So, look, it's interesting. I think, you know, people don't understand the older cars and really they probably think it's not reachable. But again, they buy these other ones that are worth millions. Or they may think, you know, you can't push them like you push the new ones. Well, you know, in this sense here, once he told us, get up about those 5,500 revs, he said he was following us. Black smoke came out through the exhaust. And that's when he knew knew the car's clean, where you go. He was happy as because we had given it a good clean out. And he goes, that's when I knew it was ready to go. Exactly right. And And it did feel better. You know, it felt really good after that too. So you can give these cars. It's all relative though. You know, you're not on a private track where it's closed roads, which you can do, let's say, unlimited speed, which I don't even think those tracks exist. And how long can you do it for? But you want to drive these cars. I th- in my opinion, I think you get more enjoyment driving this than you would the new, I don't know, SF90. Yeah, look, I'm with you because the limit on the SF90 is so high that you're hardly ever going to get there. Whereas this 250, you know, the limit is a lot lower. So even at 70 or 80% of this car, you're really, I won't say you're on edge, but, you know, you've, you're driving it. You really, you really get the whole feel of the car. Look, I don't know if you noticed also, Mick, the amount of, you know, when you're driving, when we're driving our own Ferraris, the 456 or the 360, you get a lot of, you know, looks and people look and nod and yes and a couple of thumbs up. But when we drove that 250 through the hills, through the street, people were literally staring and thumbs up were coming like there was no tomorrow. And they probably didn't even know what it was. Right, but they just appreciated this classic Ferrari out on the road being driven. And, you know, as we said before, the looks, the shape. And so seeing one on the road, not in a museum, not in a workshop, not in, you know, it, it's something special, really something special. That front, the side, the, uh, you know, the rear, everything about the car is a beautiful looking car. It's surprising why they only built so many of them. Uh, well, only two years. Yeah. Only two years that run, then they change it. Yeah, Lord knows. I'd love to know the demographic of people buying them and what they were using them for. They reckon um, there weren't many of them bought them, but they didn't use it for racing. So whereas the 250 short wheelbase, the other GTs, they were they using, were using for you know, sort of drive it, drive it to the track, race it and bring it back. Apparently there was a couple of these that they did race, but not really. That was mainly mainly for, you know, luxury driving, GT driving across the continent. And what a car to do it oh. in. It would be unbelievable. Love to love to be able to drive that car on the windy roads of Europe. Can you imagine? Oh, beautiful with the the hills and everything around. Look, the thing is, it's it's strange that we had the opportunity to go in that car, and it wasn't a half hour drive. It was a good what did we say, a couple of hours. 
No, so we long, really appreciate the, that. One of the longer drives we've had. That's right. And, I'm you know, right. keep driving, keep driving. Uh, we did stop for some photos and, and things. But, you know, when we if we drove it again, I reckon I'd even be more comfortable after driving it. So because you know what to expect. Oh, yeah, the second time. The I, second time, 100%, I think. 100%. And then you'd have to drive it as well. So my question is this. We've been – we're nearly – over seventy-five episodes, Mick. We've done. A, we've been going over just over a year now. What is the best car you've driven or got to drive or be a passenger in throughout this whole podcast experience? Oh, that's interesting. That one. That that's really interesting. Because mine is e. I don't even have to think about it. It's the two fifty. It, 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 for me, it'd have to be the two fifty, unless you're talking about modern cars. So if no, you're talking about, I'm including everything. Everything. Well, even the modern. I mean, we haven't done a lot of modern cars on the on this, so it have to be the whole feel and the whole experience. It have to be the 250 GTB Lusso. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I don't think nothing comes close to it. I mean, me. I'm going to say I was lucky enough even to go in the Bugatti Veyron, and that was un- incredible, but still. Nowhere near the 250 experience. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, we're a bit uh, biased when it comes to cars. Not because it's a Ferrari, but it was just something like, wow, wow, to see it and to be able to be part of that. So that was excellent. It'll be interesting uh, when we, you know, possibly when we drive other classic cars that are probably older and see what we think. 100%. So really looking forward to the Dino that we're going to get to drive. I mean, it's not a 60s, but it's a 70s. It's a 70s. It's not many years between. There's only probably eight years between them. Yeah, so, so it's the same sort of the era. oldest Ferrari. Same. We're going to try and get an older one, Mick. Yeah, well, the 250 I drove was a, a 59. 59. But is it but still here? No, it's not here. So that's yeah, gone. Yeah. Be hard to find one now. I'd say so. So if anyone's got any older Ferraris that would like us to drive them and get our experience. Please, please hey. call us. Please call us. Anyway, Ori, we're going to leave it there. It, okay, was, it was fantastic. So you can catch us on the show at mickandori at gmail.com uh, as always. And, of course, TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. Um, but remember, if your car's not a classic. It will be one day. Thank you. Thanks, guys.